Well, good morning, North Church. I just want to look out and say, you guys are winners today, even before the game has started this afternoon. You're winners. You got up this morning. You got out of bed. Many of you showered and cleaned up and got ready, and don't worry if you're not one of those. But you made it through the side streets and the slush and the snow. You traversed the ice rink that is our parking lot, and you're safely here. And I want to say, well done. Great job. We are going to have, yeah. You're gonna have a great time here this morning, but let's start by turning. Make sure you know the name of the person next to you. Say hello. It's possible I might quiz you when we're done, so take this very seriously.
Wow, look at these people. They're still all standing and greeting over there. You, anti-social people already sitting and waiting. Shame on you. Hey, my name's Scott. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to say welcome. I'm super glad you're here. One of the things that's a very important part of what we do here as a church is to make sure that people are connected and growing in healthy relationships. Because what we do here on a Sunday is great, but God has even more than that in store for us. And, it, and part of that includes walking through life with one another and being connected and sharing life and stuff. And so there's a lot of ways to do that. Um, life groups are a huge way. If you're already in a life group, you know how great and how powerful that can be. If you're not, you may want to think about uh, getting into a life group and they can help you. Our connections team out at the info center can help you with that. Also on Monday night, there's a series of different classes that take place here at the church. We can come on, along with people sharing that experience with you. You can grow in your faith and walk together with them. That's another great way to get connected. And then if you're new or kind of newer to the church and are just finding your way into getting to connected and starting to feel like this is home, I want to take the, uh, the opportunity to invite you right after the service. I'm going to be standing over, uh, underneath the monitor over there for just a brief meeting. We do about five minutes. It's called First Connect. It's a chance to say hi, to get to know you, uh, share a little story, and help you get connected in the best possible way. And so that will be available there uh, at the end of the service, and I'm going to look forward to seeing you there. We're going to go ahead then uh, and continue our worship this morning. We're going to have communion. We're going to celebrate and remember Christ's death and proclaim that as well. And we're going to sing our songs of love and worship to the Lord. So I'm going to invite you to go ahead and stand with me now. And we're going to get ready in our hearts with a quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your presence in this day. God, thank you for the way you pour out your love and your grace upon us. And in this time that we share together here, God, we pray that you would be pleased as we sing our songs of love and devotion to you. And God, we pray that throughout this morning you would be speaking to our hearts that word that we need to hear in Jesus' name. Amen.
Go ahead and have a seat as we get ready to receive the elements of the communion together. The bread and the cup, which are these symbols of our faith, these reminders of what Christ did, his sacrifice on the cross, his willingness to see his own blood uh, spilt on our behalf so that our sins would be forgiven, so that God would welcome us into right relationship with him to provide for us an eternal destiny and a home. And when Jesus uh, instituted this practice, when he kind of uh, brought it forward to the disciples, he said that when you do this, uh, two things. He said, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. That is, when you take the bread and you take the cup, I want you to remember what it is that I'm doing for you. I want you to reflect on its significance. I want you never to forget how powerful what I'm about to do is. And so there's a part of what we do that's remembering. It's reminding ourselves. It's putting ourselves back in the moment and appreciating what it is that Christ has done for us. But Jesus also said to his disciples that as often as you do this, take the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim my death until I come. And so in addition to being a remembering inside, there's a proclaiming outward that happens when we come forward and when we receive the elements. And we make this declaration that nothing in this world is more powerful than what Christ did on the cross. And we want to proclaim to the world that we participate in that by receiving these elements. So in just a moment, the band will continue to play and we'll continue to sing and to worship the Lord. And then as the moment is right for you, come on forward and you'll take the uh, piece of the bread and you'll dip it in the juice. And then you'll take that and eat. And in that moment, let that be your proclamation to the world, proclaiming that Christ's death is powerful and victorious. And then as you head back to your seat, take that time to remember, to reflect inwardly about how deep and powerful a work Christ has begun in you and the things that he's doing and the way that he's accomplishing that in you. That will be your time to reflect and to talk to the Lord and to pray and to spend some intimate time with him made possible by the fact that he died on the cross for you. So when you're ready, come on forward. We're going to continue to worship. All these pieces broken and scattered Mercy's gathered, then
God, that's the declaration we make in sharing these sacraments. That's the declaration we make with the cry of our heart and life is that you are Lord of all. Lord of every aspect of our life. Lord of every area of our existence. God, we submit ourselves to you and say, have your way. Lead us. Guide us. Because we love you and we belong to you. It's in Jesus' name and his glory that we pray. Amen. Hey, in just a minute, we're going to receive uh, our tithes and offerings uh, for the morning. But before we do, uh, I want to—I got some great news that I wanted to share and pass on. If you were here last week, we did our—you'll uh, remember our fifth Sunday offering for the church planters that we support in Indonesia. And we talked about the great work that they're doing in a very difficult region of the world, uh, bringing people to Christ and, and planting churches there. And we said we had a goal to raise $2,500 to support them into this kind of next season of their ministry. And I just wanted to say, on behalf of them, thank you so much for your kindness and generosity. As a church, we raised on the morning $3,500 plus towards that end. So great job, and it's really something worth celebrating, to be sure. And so as we come to our tithes and offerings here this morning, also want to say for those of you who are regular and ongoing faithful givers, thank you so much for what you're doing and, uh, and for the way that you help make things happen. What we do here is really important, and in addition to seeing the gospel spread around the world, we want to be part of a really important movement here in the city of Spokane, seeing people come to faith, seeing our city impacted, right, by the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ and meeting some of the needs that are out there. And that's what our tithes and offerings do. They help make some of that possible. So if you consider this your church home and you've brought a gift to give to God this morning, you can make that ready. Um, perhaps that's not as convenient for you to, as the basket comes by and there are other ways to give, or maybe you're one of the people that view our services online and a text to give option is a, little, is a little easier for you. That's available as an option as well. But what we do is we bring the best of our hearts and of our lives to the Lord uh, in our offering. And as the ushers come forward to receive that, uh, we're starting a new series this week. And to help get you ready for that series, take a look at this. Has never been as big as right now, as, as we've seen him right now. He is on the Terry Norris, Derek Kelly in 87, Joseph Walker, a disqualification. He cannot. It's over. Terry Norris has been dethroned. What an upset. Simon Brown. Good morning, everybody. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, I know. The Seahawks aren't in it. And if they were, the shout would be louder. I get it. I get it. Any Patriots fans, though? Well, there... There was one in the last service, and I, I asked for, like, a protective shield around him. Any Falcons fans? A couple? All right. Well, all right. There you go. Well, how, any commercial fans? Uh, yeah. There we go. There we go. You know, Super Bowl, uh, we were just talking about this series called Fight, and there's a fight that's going to go on today, and there's a lot of struggle and and there's preparation that goes into that i was thinking about uh, some of the famous battles in history you know we could look at some of the ancient battles like thermopylae or marathon or tours or some of those uh, that are from the revolutionary war like bunker hill saratoga yorktown 
or from the Civil War, you know, like Gettysburg, or even World War II. There's D-Day and the Battle of Midway, Battle of the Bulge. Some of us are still fighting that one. The Bible says there's going to be a great battle at the end of the age, right? The Battle of Armageddon. And in this series that we're calling Fight, we want to look at the struggle of this life and the fight that God calls us to as Christians, as those who are followers of Jesus. See, the fact is that life is a battle. Would you agree? Anybody out there agree with that? Life is battle. It's not always a picnic. It's not just a party. I mean, there's struggle in this life because we live in a broken world. And because of that, there's battle. And anything worth living for in life is going to require that we press in, that there's this struggle, there's this fight in order to do it. Now, obviously, when I think of fight, I think of good fights and bad fights, right? The bad fights is the kind I have with my wife that lasts till one in the morning. <laughs> Don't like those. And then there's the good fight, and that's the fight to, to obtain things that are important in your life. For example, if you want good health, you know, you're not just going to wake up in the morning and have a six-pack, right? There's a fight that goes on there. If you want to have a good marriage, uh, just because you're in love when you first get married, you know, it doesn't ensure that you're going to have this great marriage. You have to fight for that, meaning you've got to communicate. You have to work through things. You maybe sometimes go get counseling, go to a seminar, read a book. There's this struggle, this fight. Or if you want to your kids to be successful, you know, you're, you're, you're going to have to fight for them. Uh, and I, I don't mean go in and like talk down the teacher. I'm talking about fight in the spirit for them because there's a battle going on. A lot of things to derail them and tempt them and get them off track. No matter what it is, if it's important, there's, there's a fight that goes on that we have to fight for. And today we're going to start this series, and it's out of the book of 2 Timothy in the New Testament. Uh, it, it is actually a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a younger man who he called his son in the faith by the name of Timothy. Now, 2 Timothy is part of a, part of a, a series of letters called the Pastoral Epistles. There's three of them, 1 Timothy which is the first letter Paul sent to Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. Now, 2 Timothy, though, is interesting in that it's got a more personal tone to it. It's the writing of, of someone who is considered his spiritual father, his dad, his spiritual dad, not by bloodline, but by faith, because Paul invested in him to help disciple him. And so Paul's nearing the end of his life. A matter of fact, if you'll flip all the way to chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, you'll find that Paul's saying, I'm being poured out like a drink offering, and my departure is near. And so this is probably somewhere around 64 to 67 AD that Paul is in Rome. He's, he's uh, going to be martyred. He senses that it's coming to a close. And so he writes this letter around that time frame, and he, he shoots it off to Timothy, and it's, it's written in this very tender uh, tone, this very personal tone. And it's some of the most important things, I think, that a father would tell a son or that a mentor would, would tell a mentee or, or that an apostle would tell a pastor of a local church 
an older to a younger, and it's all of those that are going on in this particular letter. See, Paul was well acquainted with hardship and with suffering. And when you read the New Testament, you'll read a lot of those struggles. So if you're struggling today, if you're suffering in some way this morning, Paul understands that. He wrote from that context. He laid his very life down uh, on the line and was martyred. Uh, Tradition says beheaded for that and for his faith. And so he's, he's trying to help He's trying to help Timothy, his son in the faith. And he's saying things like this. He's saying, fight the good fight of faith. 1 Corinthians 9, 26, he said, I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. In other words, Paul's saying that this life can be compared to like an an athlete or like a soldier, that there's a battle going on. And there's preparation that has to be made. And there's, there's a struggle and there's a fight. And he's saying, I don't just box beating the air. I'm not playing around. I'm not just shadow boxing. This is for real. And so he uses the, these terms over and over. And he says it's not just a fight with human beings. We are not fighting against human beings, but against the wicked spiritual forces in the heavenly world. It's easy, isn't it, to think that your fight is maybe with your your husband or your fight is with your kids or with your parents or with your boss and not realize that there's this spiritual thing going on. There's a spiritual battle that we can't necessarily see with our natural eyes, but the scripture speaks about it over and over again that we have to become more attuned to the fact that there's spiritual battle and we need to rise up to that battle. So Paul, in his letter to uh, 1 Timothy, uh, which which he said this, he said, fight the good fight of faith. In 2 Timothy, where we're gonna spend some time over the next four weeks, he said this of himself towards the very end of his life. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Wouldn't that be a great postscript to your life, to my life? The thing that we would be able to say at the very end of our life is that I at the end of my life, I love Jesus more than at the beginning. A lot, of, a lot of times as we grow older in life, it's really easy to become cynical. It's very easy for the fires and the passion that was there for God in the very beginning to begin to wane. And, and so Paul, knowing this, the setbacks that Timothy was going to experience through his life, people that, that maybe Timothy would invest in that would one day maybe even turn on him. The disappointments, the, 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 the temptation to grow bitter because maybe you feel that I poured out, I gave, I served this person and they never thanked me. So many things can happen in life. We live in a broken world And it's easy to become disillusioned. It's easy to become cynical. And Paul, as this older man mentoring and speaking into the life of a younger man, he's saying, don't go that way. Don't go that way. You see, if you're you're older like me or older than me, it's really easy to sideline yourself, to think, you know, I'm out of my prime. Uh, We'll just turn it all over to the younger people. 
and, and I'll just kind of watch from the sidelines. And I want to tell you that nothing is further from the truth. That your yes to God today as an older person is just as significant and as important as it was 20 or 30 years ago. That God is not through with you yet. Matter of fact, as I speak and talk with those that are in their 20s, one of the things that comes up over and over again is, man, I wish I had uh, an older mentor, an older person that would, would pour into my life, would speak into my life. There's a need for that. And yet it's easy, isn't it, to, to grow cynical? See, age is not the problem. The problem is if we grow older and we become cynical, if we grow older and become inflexible, if we grow older and quit learning like a beginner and having that teachable spirit, that's the problem. It's not growing older. Matter of fact, as you grow older, you are even more valuable and more needed in the kingdom of God if you will make yourself available. If you'll just stay flexible, guard your heart from cynicism, and be willing to pour into younger people. God has a place for you, and this church needs you. Let's start by reading this letter, kind of coming from the perspective of, of this older man writing to this younger, just developing man in his ministry and in his life. So here we go. Chapter 1. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, conscious as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. Do you, do you hear the kind of the tenderheartedness coming through this? As Paul is speaking uh, in some of his, many consider his last months on this earth, to, to his son in the faith, Timothy. And he's also given props to his mom and his grandmother, saying these older ladies deposited something in you that I see in you, that's a strength in you, and I want you to guard that and keep that. And then we'll focus here on verse 6 today. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. See, this letter is written to a younger person. And so if you're a younger person here this morning or listening online, and you're a younger person, God has a plan for you, not in the future. Yeah, he does have that too, but he has one for you right now. Right now for you to step up and step into. That your voice is needed. 
Your leadership is needed. Your creativity, your faith, uh, the way you look at life and look out and see how the world can be made different because of people working together, serving, giving, praying, and caring. You see, that can get lost through the hardships of life. We need that, and we need you. We need you and your creativity. We need you. So when, if you're a younger person, quit making the excuse that I need to watch from the sidelines. The older people are the ones running the show here. And I'll just kind of tag along and check it out and see if I ever find a little place for me to do something small and insignificant. Nothing is further from the truth for you. You need to get in the game. You need to start leading the way because the church and the kingdom will be looking to you to lead the way. And so we want to begin passing that off to you now, not later. And so step it up, step into it and fan the flame on the gift of God that he's placed within you. And know that you, you don't have a spirit of fear. God didn't give a spirit of fear to, to be timid and hang back and get in your own self-preserving cocoon. God has given you power and love and self-discipline that he wants us to walk in. So see, we're all called into this, into the battlefield. We're all called into the game. We're all called equally and we need each other one of the cool things about this church is we're an intergenerational church and so we need each other and we need uh, the ability for the give and the take and the and learning from each other and mentoring one another and so paul says fan into the flame timothy fan it into the into a, a, a hot flame the gift of god placed within you uh, a month or so ago, I guess it was a couple months during that really, really cold spell that we had. And uh, do you remember that? Kind of back towards, uh, I think it was even maybe in November. And uh, a couple guys from the church here and I went up to a place called Snow Peak Cabin in Colville National Forest. And it was freezing cold, like near zero. And, but we still, we rented these snowshoes from REI and we went up into this, up into the woods, into this cabin. It was about a five mile trek with backpacks and, and we were freezing cold and we were sinking into the snow uh, because it was, uh, the trail had not been marked yet. And, and so it was a difficult hike. By the time we got there, the sun was close to going down and we get to this cabin and it has a wood burning stove inside but the cabin itself was freezing cold. And so, because there had not been a fire there for a while. And so we got inside the cabin and we light a fire, we get it going. And it's probably around, I don't know, maybe five or 10 degrees inside the cabin. And we get that cabin going and for a while we're freezing cold. And after about an hour or two, it starts to warm up. And our goal was to get the cabin from like zero up to 90 degrees. <laughs> and, and it took us all night long because we got up in the middle of the night and took shifts and just put wood on the fire, wood on the fire, wood on the fire all night long. And by the time we were ready to leave the next morning at about 8.30 in the morning, we looked at the temperature gauge and it was 90. We're like, yeah. And then we stepped out and it was like one degrees and it was, it was a tough hike back. But you see, the, the truth of the matter is, is that fanning the flame in our faith, it takes effort. Fanning the flame in our faith doesn't just happen automatically. 
It's not just going to stay stoked up for you throughout your life. Paul is saying, no, you have to pay attention to it. You have to enter into the responsibility of feeding it with putting logs on that fire and feeding that and fanning that flame that's within you that God put there. And so how do we do that? Let me give you a couple quick ideas here about ways we can do that. Uh, first, rekindle your passion to be used by God. Rekindle your passion to be used by God. 2 Timothy uh, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 14 says, By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. This is something that Timothy was being instructed to do. He's saying the Holy Spirit in, has entrusted something, has put something there in you, a deposit, and you need to guard it. Guard it. What is that good deposit that's been placed within you? Well, it's, it's all kinds of things. I mean, it's, it's the very blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross that through the taking of communion, we remembered that. It's the Holy Spirit who came to dwell within your heart. It's, it's the spiritual gifts that God places within those uh, that he dwells in. Um, it's the friendship that he calls you into to live with him 24-7 in a friendship. You see, it's all kinds of things. And he's saying the totality of the Christian life, the gospel message itself, it's something to guard. It's something to hold close and to fan the flame in that and remember God wants to use you. See, God has a purpose for your life. It's not just to go to church and go home. It's not just to go to work and try and be successful. God wants to use you now, young or old. God wants to use you. And, and, and we can wane in our desire to be used by God, to be available for Him to use us. When you think about eternity, and if you were to look at it like a linear line, and it was to stretch from one side to the other, I mean, how far would it go? I mean, it would go off into infinity, wouldn't it? This line. Because life with God is forever and ever and ever and ever. And then if you were to look at your life, your little life, and say, well, how many years might you live? Well, maybe 80 or 90 years. And you were to look at this line, where would your life chart out on that line? I mean, it would just be this tiny little microscopic dot on that line, wouldn't it? And so let me ask you, are you living for the line or are you living for the dot? So many people live for the dot just for this existence here and now. So we save all this money for retirement because it's all about the dot. And I'm not saying saving money is wrong. I'm just saying that when, when, our, when our mind is wrapped around just this life, or I'm just going to go party and have fun because why? Because it's just about the dot. It's just about trying to be happy today. What if you started living for the line instead of the dot? Well, what would happen is all of a sudden you're saying yes to God. Use me, God. I want to be used by you. There is no happier place you can be in the, in, in the world than being who God has called you to be and doing what God has called you to do. Being who he's called you to be and doing what he's called you to do. And when I forget that, 
And I do sometimes. And when I forget that, it's tempting to want to go backwards. It's tempting to think about, well, maybe there's something else out there that would fulfill me. You know, like the proverb says, a dog returning to his vomit. That sometimes we go, oh, maybe just smoking some weed, that will help. Oh, maybe another sexual uh, encounter, that will help. Oh, maybe if I just earn more money and put more attention there, then that will help. And I have to, when, when those voices or those temptations come, I have to remind myself, you know what? I'm, I'm in a narrow chute because I know too much. I know that it's only in God that I'm going to be happy. There is nothing else. There is no greener pasture for me. And so I've got to give myself to God and to his kingdom. And I've got to keep the fires burning hot on that because everything else is just an illusion of happiness. Jesus said, I have meat to eat you don't know about. He's saying, it's the bread, my bread is to do the will of my Father who sent me. See, Jesus knew that as a man, that doing God's will, being available to be used by him, that's what will bring fulfillment. Now, I'm not saying every day will be a cakewalk or easy or that emotionally you'll always feel great. You won't. Sometimes life will suck, even though you are trying to do your absolute best at following God and being involved in his, in his plans. But I'm telling you, it's better, better than anything else that you can do. Loving him, feeling his pleasure on your life, knowing that you have his grace. Ask him to rekindle that desire to be used by him. Ask him today. Lord, I want to re-up. I want to re-enlist. I, I want to be used by you. I want to quit making excuses. I want to quit looking back. I want to start looking forward. And I want you, God, to use me. I'm letting go of my disappointments. I'm letting go of all the people that have hurt me. I'm letting go of, of the play it safe mentality. I'm letting go of that today, God, and I, I want to be used by you. And when that's your prayer and that's your heart, see, something will reignite on the inside. There'll be a fresh passion for God that begins to burn. The second thing we can do to fan the flame on those spiritual gifts that God has put within us is rekindle your passion for spiritual gifts. It's kind of a no-brainer, right? It's saying it right here in the passage. Fan the flame on the spiritual gift. Well, we reignite a passion for spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, Paul said, pursue love, make that your primary aim and goal, and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Earnestly desire. That word actually in the Greek is same kind of root word as we get our word lust. So lust would be the negative sense of this word, and the positive sense is a hot passion for the spiritual gifts. Do you have a hot passion? Are you earnestly desiring spiritual gifts in your life? Have you ever thought of that? Sometimes we think, well, if God has a gift for me, he'll give it to me. No, no. He's asking you to ask. He's, he's saying, no, you, you earnestly desire it. Fan the flame on that. It's okay to want spiritual gifts as long as that's not your main goal in life. 
Love should be. But spiritual gifts are part of the way God equips us. It's part of the way that he empowers us for service, to make his, to make his name great, to spread his kingdom, to be more fruitful in your life. He gives spiritual gifts. So what do I do with that? Well, it might help if, if you're totally unaware of spiritual gifts to take a class. We're gonna offer one in the spring on spiritual gifts. Um, but there are a lot of great books out there. Matter of fact, you could just start right in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, and you could begin to learn about spiritual gifts. 1 Peter 4.10 says, God has given gifts to each of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through your life. See, part of being used by God is having these spiritual gifts in our life so that we can then give them away to other people. We're used by God with these spiritual gifts. So fan the flame on that. One, let me give you an example of that. One of the spiritual gifts that I have uh, is prophecy. I'm not talking about prophecy like foretelling the future like you see in some sci-fi movie or some seer or whatever. I'm saying prophecy also means being able to kind of discern what the heart of God might be saying in a moment and then giving it to people. Just connecting God's heart to people's needs. That's prophecy. And, and uh, prophecy in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says it's for the purpose or the outworking, what you will notice when it's done well, is comfort, encouragement, or challenge, or maybe all three. Comfort, encouragement, and challenge. And so when I'm aware of that, I know about the gift in my life that, that it's ultimately from God, is when I'm aware of it, then I'll go into meetings thinking about it. Because all the spiritual gifts are not just for this context on a Sunday morning. The spiritual gifts are for the world. They're for meetings, they're for school, they're for business, they're for every interaction that we have. We need to learn how to flow in the spiritual gifts outside of a church context. They're for here too. But anyway, so when I'm, when I'm on with this, it's like I'll go into a meeting and I'll be praying, Lord, would you stir up that gift of prophecy in me so that I can give something special from your heart to this person, to comfort them, to encourage them, to challenge them. It didn't just come from my head. It wasn't just some nice compliment. It was from your heart in the moment that's fresh for their need. And it's something that you can get better at. It's something that as you use it, you develop it and you can get better at it. But it's also something that when I forget it and I get too busy and I kind of blow it off and take it for granted is it becomes dull in my life. That's how spiritual gifts are. We have to discover them. We have to develop them. And we have to utilize them consistently. Some of you have spiritual gifts that you're not using. God has given you. Some of you have leadership gift. And maybe you're using it in business, and that's great. Uh, maybe it's a talent that you have that you were born with. But God gives these spiritual gifts at the time of your new birth in Christ, and they're for a specific reason to build up the kingdom of God, not just to build up my own little kingdom. Some of you need to start serving through leading because it's, it's a gift, a spiritual gift God has given you. Some of you have a gift of speaking in tongues or praying in tongues, praying in a different language you didn't learn uh, from a human being. God gave that to you. And you just 
have blown it off. You haven't utilized it in, in a long, long time, and it's grown dull, and you need to stir that back up in your prayer life and begin to utilize that again. Some of you have a gift of generosity. The, the Scripture teaches that is one of the spiritual gifts. And, and we're all called to be generous, right? But those that have a spiritual gift of generosity, it's like this special kind of extra turbocharged aspect of generosity. And God blesses and replenishes your supply as you pour out. Whatever your spiritual gift is, Paul is saying, fan the flame on it. Fan the flame on it and begin to care about it again and value it again. I know... Some of us, we feel like we have it figured out. You know what one gift or two gifts are. Or maybe you think, oh, you know, I'm a musician and I'm playing the guitar. I'm doing whatever. And that's awesome. That's wonderful. What a benefit it is to, for that. But do you think that's all God has for you? No, God has spiritual gifts to impact people's lives in a variety of different ways. And so we can continue to pray, Lord, would you put more tools in the tool bag? Would you continue to equip me? Would you, would you continue to show me things I don't know about and help me to quit acting like I'm an expert or that I've settled in to something uh, that, that I assume is the way it's going to be for the next 20 years? No, God has more for you. So hopefully you'll throw a couple logs on the fire when it comes to the spiritual gifts. And then lastly this, fan the flame means rekindling your passion for God, the Holy Spirit. The scripture says, may you overflow with hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Overflow in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. It's not just some impersonal force. It's not just something you tag on at the end of a sentence where it's like Jesus and Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is God. Holy Spirit is a person. Holy Spirit wants a relationship with you. Holy Spirit points us to Jesus. The Holy Spirit convicts us. The Holy Spirit enlightens the Word of God and makes it, helps it make sense to us. I want us to fall in love with Holy Spirit, to rekindle a passion for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit brings power into our life. Matter of fact, Acts chapter 1-8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And there's this thing in the Scripture that talks about this baptism in the Holy Spirit. And uh, every now and then on a, in, during a service, we'll set up a, a tub with water. We will baptize people in water. Many of you have been baptized in water. Baptism in water is really symbolic of dying to self and rising to new life in Christ, to saying, I'm turning in a new direction to walk with Jesus in my life. Jesus is Lord. That's what baptism, and so going, being immersed in water and coming up. That's baptism in water. There is also a baptism in the Holy Spirit where we're immersed in the presence of God. We're immersed in the Holy Spirit. Sure, he lives in your heart as a new believer, but he also wants to immerse you in his presence so that he gives you fresh new gifts and a fresh new passion for God. I love that, that God's not done with us yet, that there's more, that there's more. And when we enter into the flow of God's Spirit and we, we open our heart to that and we honor the Holy Spirit as God in our lives and we say, God, I want, I want you. You know, Jesus said, you know, as imperfect fathers, we try to give good gifts to our kids, right? But we blow it a lot. 
he said, but how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit if you'll just ask? So let's ask. Let's begin to ask God, Holy Spirit, come and immerse me in your presence. Give me spiritual gifts. Maybe some that I don't even know about yet. Holy Spirit, use me in your service. Empower me and equip me for every good work. I want that. And that's how we fan the flame on the gift of God that he's put within us. Let's pray together. And I want to just ask that you make this your very personal prayer to Jesus. Jesus, you are the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And I'm asking today that you baptize me in the Spirit. I'm asking today that you fill me and immerse me nothing to be afraid of because you're God. And I just want more of you, God. I want more of you. I just open my heart to that today, God. And I pray that, Holy Spirit, that as you immerse me, that you will also bring new, fresh spiritual gifts into my life, new things, new presents to unwrap and discover, and then to grow in and utilize and be consistent in and get good at. Lord, I pray that you will place within me, God, a boldness in my faith to share because you haven't given us a spirit of fear but of power, love, and self-discipline. So Jesus, Holy Spirit, place within me, God, boldness, boldness to live my life out loud, not worrying what others might think or say. I want to be a part of miracles. I want to be a part, Holy Spirit, of where you might want to heal a person or where you might have a prophetic word to encourage a person or where you might want to give, where you might want me to give something extravagant towards a need. I, I just want to be a part of what you're doing in people's lives. So Holy Spirit, I'm saying yes to you today. Yes to God's plan and purposes and I'm putting behind me every excuse of age, being too young, being too old, not knowing enough about the Bible. Whatever excuse I've been using, Lord, I'm just putting it aside. And I'm saying, Lord, fill me and use me. Fan the flame on us today. We pray, Jesus. Amen.